Hello and welcome to the course. I'm your host today, Lee, and I'm speaking with Professor Alan Yu. He is the William Colvin Professor of Linguistics and the College from the Department of Linguistics. Professor Yu also directs the U Chicago Phonology Laboratory as well as the Washoe Documentation Project. Professor Yu is here to talk to us about his career path and how he became a University of Chicago professor. Welcome to the course, Professor Yu. It's great to have you here today. Thank you very much for having me. So, Alan, can you give me a sense of your career path from your undergraduate college years all the way to becoming a professor at U Chicago? Sure. Yeah, I I started at UC Berkeley. I intended to go there to study astronomy, but during my first year there, I kind of got exposed to other things, uh, including a course in linguistics and that got me sidetracked to doing something in cognitive science. And through cognitive science, I learned more about linguistics. And eventually, I decided to pursue it full time. And, and during my undergrad years, I had really great mentors. And they kind of guided me through multiple research projects. And that led me to experience what it's like to be in grad school. And uh, I also got to know many of the graduate students in that department. And and when it's time to think about, you know, what to do after my BA, it was clear at that point that I, I think going to grad school was the right thing to do. And, and I actually decided to graduate early so that I can go to grad school after three years of college. And, and that's where I end up. I actually decided to stay at Berkeley, even though I had other opportunities and I was encouraged to go elsewhere. But because I have already gotten quite a bit of the course requirements done as an undergrad for my PhDs. And I thought it would be, that it would give me more freedom if I were to stay and, and do research uh, and, and use the time to do research rather than retaking classes. And so I stayed at Berkeley and one thing led to another. I, I basically ended up taking a, a visiting position during my last year at McGill in Montreal, partly because I had already spent I think at, at that point, like seven years in Berkeley, I needed, I felt like I needed more additional perspectives on things. And there's probably no better way to do it than to move to the East Coast. And so that's what I did. And I worked there, I worked at McGill for a year. And while doing that, I finished my dis- dissertation. And fortunately, I managed to land a position at Chicago. And so after I finished my year in Montreal, I moved to Chicago for the position I have now, starting out as an assistant professor, and then I basically kept going. And so that is where I am today. Alan, how would you explain your research interests to someone who has no idea what linguistics even is? Sure. No, uh, I understand. Yeah, I basically am interested in anything that has to do with speech sounds uh, and in terms of how they are produced, processed, how they change across time. And in particular, my interest is in understanding variation in language from the perspective of the sound system, looking at why is it the case that, you know, there are different accents and where do, where do those different accents come from? What type of cognitive and social and linguistic factors constrain and motivate different type of changes and what that tells us about the universal capacity of language that uh, all humans share. And that, yeah, that's more or less what I, what I do. That's fascinating. So, 
Alan, can you tell me about where you grew up and also what you thought you'd grow up to be when you were young? Sure. Yeah, I, I grew up in Hong Kong. I came to the U.S. when I was 15 with my family. Originally, I think as a kid, I was very interested in uh, singing and I wanted to be a choral conductor. In when I moved to the U.S., I got interested in astronomy because of Stephen Hawkins. And so that's what led me to Berkeley. And so, yeah, I mean, as a child, I, I know nothing about linguistics. I didn't even know the term and, or, or that people study it. So I really didn't have any in, inclination to do linguistics. I was very fearful of language in general. My, my literature classes are uh, some of the most feared classes uh, in my high school career. Um, as an immigrant, uh, particularly, it was uh, also uh, there is a linguistic barrier there that was um, that made it more difficult as a result. Uh, but uh, but once I got into uh, uh, linguistics, I discovered that you can study language from a more scientific point of view and not from a literature point of view. And so that really got me going as a result. And I wonder, because you said you had this interest in singing, do you think that is related to your ultimate interest in linguistics and sound? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't think that originally got me into linguistics. When I went into linguistics, I was really actually more interested in syntax and semantics. So looking at, you know, structure of sentences and how they, how um, meaning comes uh, to be understood and things like that. And um, I only got into phonology as a result of um, working on languages like Turkish, where there is a lot of internal complexity to uh, complexities to words, um, and that those internal complexities happen to interface with how, they, how different sounds are produced in those words. And and one thing led to another that got me interested in the more physical and cognitive aspect of speech processing. And so it, it really was very circuitous in, in terms of how I landed where I am today. But I mean, I, I do have an interest in language and music it is certainly uh, something that has fascinated uh, a lot of linguists and, and certainly has interest, uh, has interested me for a long time. But I don't really do a lot of research in the area, unfortunately. And Alan, what were you like as a student during your middle and high school years? And I know you actually moved to the U.S. during your high school years. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I moved here when I was in ninth grade. I, I guess I was an okay student. Um, I, I did fine in school and I didn't really have much of a passion for any particular subject per se, but I was not particularly interested in the traditional academic subjects, unfortunately. But I did fine in them. I'm sure there's some students listening to this that find that rather reassuring that you don't have to be a perfect student growing up to become a professor. Uh, sure. I mean, I think most ultimately, right, a lot of the subjects taught in universities are not really exposed to students uh, in middle and high schools. Like linguistics, you know, who, who would have ever heard of it uh, unless you are lucky enough to have a, an English teacher who, who studied linguistics. Otherwise, no one would have heard of it mostly. It is something that you learn once you're in college. If you're, if you're lucky enough to be at a college that actually has linguistics as a program or as a linguist in it, right? So... So why, Alan, did you decide to pursue academia as a career rather than some other type of work? Yeah, that's an a interesting question. I, I think I, I was very interested in the research aspect of, of, of things. And, and I 
I had really good mentors who showed me how to do research well. And I, I also felt like that I was halfway decent in doing it. And so I thought, well, I will give it a try. I mean, I did think about, you know, pursuing other careers during grad school time, but yeah. So if it, if it didn't work out and if I didn't get a job, uh, I probably would have gone into, I don't know, to speech tech or something linguistic related, but not in academia. I graduated around the time when there are lots of tech companies that are hiring linguists. And so it wouldn't have been difficult to find a job in Silicon Valley or, or somewhere close by. So. But it sounds like your passion lies more in the research element and understanding the why. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like to pursue uh, ideas that I have. And I, I know that, you know, once I get into a, an academic job, I, I wouldn't be able to necessarily pursue the ideas I have, but rather have to pursue other people's ideas. And so, uh, one, so one of the benefits of being academic is that there is this freedom in pursuing topics that might seem um, um, like a dark horse at, uh, at the beginning, but it turned out might be actually extremely interesting and fruitful. And that's what I relish throughout my career. So. And so who has been your biggest support as you've navigated this career? Because I know that being a graduate student and completing a PhD is not an easy thing. It's quite a challenging process. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I was lucky to have found multiple professors uh, at Berkeley who were extremely supportive and, you know, the, not only as mentors in research, but also as human beings um, in the sense that they were very nurturing uh, outside of work work life. So I I think that the, uh, John O'Hala is probably one of the biggest influence early on because of the fact that I he hired me as a as a sophomore to a sophomore to be uh, to be his uh, lab manager, and that got me exposed to a lot of research that was happening in that lab. It's one of the bigger research lab uh, in linguistics, and there are lots of graduate students and visiting scholars. And beyond research, he, he you know he arranged uh, a lot of social activities like hiking and and you know gathering at his house, and all these things showed me you know what life of an academic looks like. And then later on, I, I was lucky to have taken a class with Sharon Inkless, who whose work in, 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 in morphology and phonology was very interesting to me. And she was just an amazing person to begin with. And the class was really showed me another side of linguistic research, which is much more uh, cross-linguistic and uh, less experimental, but nonetheless still very revealing. And I ultimately ended up writing my undergraduate thesis with both of them. Um, and I don't think I, I would be doing what I, I, I am doing today if it weren't for the two of them. Was it challenging at all to come to a different country with a different language and study linguistics? Was that something that you had to work on or was it something that came fairly easily? I guess, uh, I guess because linguistics was such a, a new thing for me, learning all the concepts and the technical things in linguistics is, it's like learning any new, new language, right? Really, uh, it didn't seem, it wasn't particularly challenging because it was all done in English. It's mostly the difficulties in understanding the, the scientific concepts and the mathematical underpinnings behind those concepts. And I think one of the, the good thing about linguistic research is that you can do it in any language, really. I mean, I have, over the years, I have studied many languages that are 
not languages that I speak. And you can do actually quite uh, useful and, and revealing research in languages that you don't necessarily have a full command of because you can look at the, you can look at those linguistic systems in a objective way and that sometimes your native language might actually prevent you from seeing uh, easily. So is there any person or any research that's being done in your field today that you find particularly inspiring? I'm always fascinated by research done at U Michigan by Pam Bador. His research group has always produced very interesting work looking at the cognitive under, like the phonetic and cognitive underpinnings of sound change. And then the, I, I really enjoy the fresh perspectives that she always bring to the, the research questions and the, the new techniques uh, that she employed to investigate them. It is something that is quite uh, novel in, uh, for example, using eye tracking research to understand how people process sounds and how that type of information could tell us about uh, how linguistic variation come about. I think these are relatively new ideas that really inspired me and uh, a lot of what we do today uh, in my lab uh, are directly consequence of her research. Alan, do you have any goals for yourself in your career? Is there something that you inspire to do beyond where you are now? I have multiple goals that I want to accomplish, which one of them is to eventually write a grammar for the Washo language, uh, which I have been uh, studying and working on for a while, but never quite have enough time to, to pursue that project. Another idea is to re eventually write a book about sound change and show how language change could have come about and what, that's, what that actually tells us about the linguistic capacities of human beings. Those are really long-term goals. Can you tell me about your interest in the Washo language, what it is and why you find it so fascinating? Sure. I got interested in the language when I was a graduate student at Berkeley. So Berkeley has traditionally been a center for Native American language studies, particularly languages in California and nearby regions. And Washo is this language that is spoken around the Lake Tahoe region. It's a beautiful area of the country. And the Washos historically live in the Rim uh, area uh, uh, around the lake. And at Berkeley, I happened to met to have met some of the Washoe speakers who were visiting Berkeley at the time for this workshop called Breath of Life. The workshop's idea was to bring descendants of speakers of languages that are no longer spoken in California, but there are archival information about those languages uh, housed at Berkeley. What I was surprised to find out is that there, there, there are uh, still speakers of Washoe, even though they were, they were visiting Berkeley for that workshop. And through that contact, I ultimately got in touch with those speakers and started working with them. And it has been a, a, a very rewarding and uh, at times fascinating process of, you know, working with mostly elder, elderly speakers who had great life experiences in terms of what they, they can tell us about the Washoe culture as well as what life was like while they were growing up in the area where native native languages are not encouraged to be spoken. And, and the tribe has been extremely supportive for this type of linguistic documentation work, partly because of their interest in language documentation and revitalization. 
the number of speakers are uh, dwindling, obviously, but the cultural arm of the tribe has been doing amazing work trying to get more people to be interested in learning washo within the tribe and uh, and teaching little kids how to speak it. And so I think this is one area where linguists can actually do work that has direct contribution to communities and the world at large. That's super interesting. And it sounds like really rewarding work. Can you tell me, Ellen, about your favorite parts of being a professor? Definitely what I like the most is the fact that I get to meet a lot of interesting people over the years, not just great students that uh, I have had over the years, but also academics all around the world that I meet at conferences, speakers that I've worked with over the years that have taught me so much about their cultures, their language, and sharing with me their life experiences. So, I mean, really, it's it's all about the people in the end, right? You can't have language without people and you learn the most from when you're interacting with people. And what would you say are some of the more challenging aspects of your job or the parts that you don't enjoy as much? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I love every aspect of my job other than the fact that I have to do gradings. But I think most professors don't like gradings. But I, I, I think, you know, the difficulty in uh, being an academic is to keep up with the current research that is being done and 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 trying to find connections that are not so obvious and it, they're taking the, the risks that is needed in order to pursue those ideas. And But I, I think one of the great things about University of Chicago and also being an academic in general is that we have the freedom to go pursue it. So yeah, despite the scariness of you know not knowing what the results would necessarily be like, I think the, the rewards is also quite tremendous. And what would your advice be for people who are considering entering your field? I think, you know, the most important thing about any sort of research uh, career is to pursue what you really enjoy. And I think it is oftentimes people want to pursue things that would land them a job. But you, the important thing to know is that, you know, you never know what actually people are looking for when they're hiring. And so it is more important that you're you're pursuing things that you're passionate about and that will show in your work. And in the end, it's all about the good work that you do not how sexy or fashionable it is at the time. And then can you tell me a little bit about your work with the Hong Kong campus? Mm, that is an interesting question. Through the Hong Kong campus, I've had the opportunities of, uh, of organizing conferences there. And through those conferences, I've gotten connections. I've made connections with local academics. And those connections have led to research projects, which included looking at linguistic minorities in Hong Kong and how, how those linguists, uh, so linguistic minorities in the sense of South Asians uh, immigrated to Hong Kong and learning Cantonese. So our project there has been to look at uh, what is their Cantonese like and how they might be influenced by their native tongues. We also have a project looking at autism in Hong Kong, looking at the linguistic characteristics of uh, autistic speech. Partly because autism is defined as one of the characteristics of autism is having uh, linguistic difficulties. And so most of the research in autism research and the language aspect of autism has been done on English. And so um, our goal is to try to figure out what characteristics that might be unique to Cantonese speaking autistic individuals. That sounds like really rewarding and fascinating research. Alan, what would you say is the most gratifying part of being a, lingu a linguistics professor? 
I, I think the the best thing about being a linguist and being a linguistic professor is that uh, we get to learn about things in basically all aspects of human life, right? Ultimately, you know, I have colleagues who who study the social aspect of language. I have colleagues who study the biological, neural underpinnings of language. I have colleagues who looked at computational aspects of language, looked at AI. And so it re really, ling language is everywhere. And you can, uh, you can, through the study of linguistics, you can learn about basically almost any human activities that, that language touch on. So that is certainly one of the reasons why I got interested in linguistics in the first place. I've been speaking with Professor Alan Yu. Professor, thank you for your time. And course takers, if you enjoyed listening to today's interview, please check out the other ones. You can find out more about the University of Chicago through uchicago.edu or the university's campus in Hong Kong through uchicago.hk. Thanks for listening.